0: Overflow Podcast. We pray that you are encouraged with this message. For more information, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Amen, we're doing this series called The Journey. We're talking about fulfilling the will of God, experiencing the will of God. Uh, We're on week six of that, it's crazy. Next week, we're going to have a couple of uh, different people share their journey and give some tidbits on how they've been experiencing the will of God. And uh, so many times we've kind of made the will of God so mystical and so out there. And so what we've really been trying to do is give you guys tools to understand, hey, the will of God is not far away. And it's not 10 years down the road, it's actually right now, I'm living in it. And I believe that many times, God puts things in our path and gives us tools to experience him, to know him, not to be like kind of in this thing where we're like, oh, I just don't really know. And I'm, I'm on a fast just to hear the voice of God and things like that. And, and all those things are great. But so many times we, we kind of think that God is caught up in, in, in hiding his will. And he's not. He's, if, if he is hiding it, he's not hiding it from you. He's hiding it for you. Are you with me? He's saving it for you uh, for a moment. And uh, so we're looking at Hebrews chapter 13. May the God of peace... Who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. How many you know we have a good shepherd that equips us for doing his will? He doesn't say do this and then say have fun. No, no, he gives us the tools that we need to do good and to fulfill his will. And he, may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, who be glory forever and ever, amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship. We are God's creative masterpiece, created in Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. When God dreamed you up, he had a plan for you, right? Come on. And he had a dream for your life. And so our life is living in discovery and experiencing what God has already imagined for us. Amen? Um, one of the things, if you're going to go out on a journey, uh, you might take your phone, but you guys know that your phone would probably die. And so we, t- we talked about the map. We've talked about uh, the, the, the God, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. We've talked about a lot of different things. Last week we talked about landmarks and wisdom. Uh, but one of the things that would become very useful for you in your journey would be a compass. Right? What does a compass do? A compass tells us where north is. Right? It, it gives us a clear sense of direction. Long before GPS satellites and other high-tech navigational aids, the compass gave humans a way to orient themselves, uh, orient uh. <laughs> and so when you would be... How many of you guys have ever done that? Like you're driving around, especially when you're not driving, and then you're like, where am I? And then you pull out, and you're like all backwards, and you're turned around. Well, if you have a compass, you'll always know which way north is. And so this, became, this was like one of the oldest technologies that the world has ever experienced. In fact, uh, the Chinese were are kind of recognized for discovering this as early as 2600 BC, they, they would have this spoon. I think we got a picture of it, uh, a spoon like this, and they would have, you know, maybe a plate on the ground or just the ground. And w- this was made out of uh, magnetite, and it would, they would throw it down on the ground. And what would happen is the spoon would always land on the ground a certain direction. And so they thought it was fun because they would throw the spoon and it would just land there, bang, the same thing, you know, something like you see in a sci-fi movie. And so they, they had fun with it and, and because it was created out of this material, they probably didn't know that it had a magnetic uh, attributes and things like that. So every time they threw it, they saw that it always faced the same direction. Well, then they figured it out that, hey, this is actually one of this the, the bowl of the spoon is always pointing north and the handle of the spoon is always pointing south. So they, they figured this out and eventually they were like, hey, we could use this. When we're when we're rotting in our ships, and we can use this when we're going on our journey, something other than just the sun we could have to lead us and guide us along the way. It always points north, and then ships, what they would do uh, sometimes is they would get some magnetite or some other kind of. I, I think I'm saying that correctly. I'm not. I'm not uh, the science guy, uh, but. They would have like a cork that would float in the water and they would they would have this piece of rock that they would set on there that had magnetic features in it, magnetic minerals in it, and that rock would always point north and they would just float it right next to their ship and so they could just see where they were going and because it was floating it would tell them where north was. And eventually this they started creating needles and putting them in water and, and to where you had a compass like this where you always knew where north was. And I think this one's jacked up. But um, So don't have a jacked-up compass, right? And so you'll always know where north is according to the compass. So the way a compass works is the earth is like a big magnet, in case you didn't know that. Right. We have gravity and all these kind of things. So there's all these attributes and you could talk to somebody that's a lot smarter than I am that has the science of that figured out. But basically what happens with a compass is it works with an with the navigational pull of the earth or the the, the magnetic pull of the earth to and you guys have played with magnets before and they attract or they detract according to the pole of the magnet. Well the north on the magnet will always point north or on the the needle of the compass. And so we one of the things that's very useful for us to have in our journey is, is something that tells us what way north is. How we know that you can have the map, but if you don't know where north is, the map doesn't do you any good, right? And it's got the little drawn compass on there, but what if that's wrong? You know, what if you're walking south and it says north is up? Well, north, right? So the best way to know north is to have an instrument, a tool to help you. And on this journey that we're on, we need something to give us that consistent sense of direction. Something that lets us know, man, I am I'm on the way. I'm heading north. I'm doing pretty good. And oh, that's why that tree's right here. It shows it right on the map. But how did I know I was going north? Well, you have this thing called the compass. And many times we need to access this compass in life. It's something that will bring comfort to us, let us know we're on the right path, give us a right sense of direction in case we're off track, right? Those kind of things. And today what I'm talking about is the compass of community. The compass of community. So many times when we live our lives, we try to do our own thing, and we really don't know where we're at. We don't have anybody living life with us. We're, we're, we're kind of isolated, doing the will of God alone, and we have a hard time finding our, finding our way, but God has provided an incredible thing in the body of Christ. Are you with me? People that can come alongside of us and go, listen, this is North, or whoa, hold on, we're not really going North here. And how many glad? I know that I'm so glad that I have people in my life. Whenever I start forgetting where North is, they can go, hey, this is North. And God put us together to be a community to help God the way. And I've used this illustration before that that the church is a good compass for people's life. It's it's not necessarily uh, we're, we, we don't have all the answers, but we know where north is. Right? Are you with me? We're not perfect. We're flawed sometimes. We might be a little bit janky, but for, but for general direction, we're pretty good. And so God has provided the body of Christ, the family of God, the bride of Christ, the church, the ecclesia, the ones that are called out, the redeemed community of believers to help us individually along the way map out the will of God in our lives. So. One of, the, one of the ways that we do that is that we do that with, with uh, complementing one another, right? How many know that Jonathan is an incredible drummer, and it's awesome to have him and, and help lead the band and contribute to that? Well, if you had me, got me on drums, you know, I got some rhythm. Come on, you know what I'm saying? But but you give me, get a couple sticks in my hand and get my feet involved. It just doesn't work out too good. And uh, I've tried a lot of the times, you know, sitting behind and then I'm, I'm way off and everybody kind of laughs and I think I'm doing pretty good, right? But whenever you bring somebody like Jonathan, many times, someone that might be an aspiring drummer, I could be, feel threatened by him. I could be like, sucker you know I could be like like I have this attitude towards Jonathan because he's a very skilled drummer like God but how many know that, that, that that compliments maybe my skill right I'm a I hate to bring my skill, Leslie, for instance, not a great drummer, but a great bass player. Well, a great bass player and a great drummer need to work together. The, the bass player can't go, well, hey, if I was just better at the drums, and the drummer can't go, oh, man, I'm a, I'm a good bass player. In so what happens is we get into competition, and we get into comparison, all this thing. Whenever God called us to have our own gifts and our own strengths, why? So we can complement one another, so we can help each other along the way. Are you with me? And so we can move forward. Um, Somebody else's weakness may be your strength. And I, I believe that God in his brilliance put it together in such a way that, that where I'm weak, he complements me with people around me that are strong. See, the struggle in it, what we try to do is we try to surround ourselves with people that are just exactly like us, right? So there's no friction, so there's no tension. We're just like, they're just like me, right? Try marrying a person just like you. Right? It's better for you to have someone that complements you. Because how many of you know you can get a lot further with someone that complements your weakness. Rather than so, if someone's exactly like you and God put you together, then you're probably only going to go as far as you already are. But if you can get together with somebody who's strong where you're weak and where you're strong where they're weak, then you can get a lot further. And that's the same way in community. God puts us together. We're different, right? We some of us are good looking. Some of us are better looking, right? And so God puts us together, right? Come on. So God puts us together with different skills to complement one another, not so we can look at one another and compare ourselves and go, oh man, I'll just never be a great drummer. That's okay. You don't have to be a great drummer. You're a great bass player. Come on. Now we always need to be refining our weakness. We understand that. But we don't live in comparison to one another. We live in community. And the only way, and listen, I'm kind of a, I don't like sports, like playing sports. I like to watch them. And part of the reason why I don't is because used to I would say that I wasn't competitive. The fact is, is I'm really, really competitive. And, but I don't like losing. And I'm not very good and skilled at sports. And so I just don't play because I'm really competitive and I don't want to feel like a loser. Right? And so I'm just like, no, nah, I don't do that. Y'all yeah, go ahead and play basketball. I'll cheer on the silence because you can get me out there, and I'm going to get competitive. I'm going to get my feelings hurt and that type of thing. But how many of you know that when, when we're in community, if Nathan and I went out and played basketball, I could totally play basketball with him and let him know that I suck so bad at it, and he could show me how bad I do, and we'll play basketball and we'll laugh about it. However, if somebody that I'm not doing community with, I might find that person as a threat. Right? And so these these weaknesses... That we have can actually be complemented by one another's strengths and our personalities and our skill sets, all these different things. Um, all right, let's jump into the, our scripture here, Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-one. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, and well, you know, we did that this morning, having our hearts sprinkled clean with uh, sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us. Hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, all the more as you see the day approaching. There's a whole lot of "let us" in there, right? I mean, you know that Paul wasn't talking about salad. Right? He was talking about one another. That was funnier than what y'all laughed. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. All right. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Some of y'all a little slow this morning. We'll be laughing later. Okay, so, but look at your neighbor and say, I need you. I need you. Did you know that when Scripture, when God gave us the Scriptures, he gave us to experience those Scriptures together. In fact, when the first time that they had the canon of Scripture, they had to get together to read it. They didn't just have their own little Bible on their phone that they could sit off in Canada, North Canada, somewhere where there's no population, and just be like, oh, I'll just love Jesus, just me and Jesus, and all this kind of thing. How we know that God didn't really have that in mind when he gave you the Scriptures? God had you in mind to do and experience a community together in the context of community. Most of the two-thirds of the New Testament was written to churches, not to individuals. And what we do is we take the word and we're like, this is just for me. This is my verse, my thing, and I'm doing my little thing. But God didn't ever call you to do that thing on your own. He called you to come together with people and live the journey out together. It's what he called us to do together. That's why there's no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. There are no lone rangers. Come on, are you with me? Uh, don't be so prideful. I, I've heard all these people kind of check out a church, and they're like, "Oh, you know, it's just all these other reasons." And they just, I'm just kind of doing my own thing. I'm just kind of loving Jesus alone. I mean, know that that was not the plan of God. Whew. We're not alone in this journey. I, I heard um, a story one time about this kid that uh, went to his parents, it was at night, and he said, he said, man, I, I just, I'm scared. I'm scared of the dark. I'm worried there's like a boogeyman in my closet or under my bed or something. And what am I going to do? And they said, oh, just pray. Just pray and ask Jesus to, to help you with your fear. And they said, oh, yeah, I've done that already. I've, I've prayed and I've asked Jesus, but I want somebody with skin on I want somebody with skin on in the room with me. And man, when we're doing community together, it's like we have somebody with skin on with us. Come on, you know what I'm saying? It's like we we got the Lord, not just the Holy Spirit inside of us, but also the Holy Spirit inside of them that we can walk out the plan of God for our life. And so... You got somebody with skin on and they're sitting right next to you. So maybe you need to go to lunch with somebody today or hook up during the week this week. Don't just let what we do here on Sunday mornings be a Sunday morning thing, but actually live life together. This is what God has called you to do. Not just kind of do your own thing and then we kind of gather together and worship Jesus and we go out and then you feel like you're fighting all alone. Leslie and I served a, a position uh, for a long time in El Paso, youth pastoring there, and we didn't have any community. We had a great church that we were part of, incredible ministry, but we didn't really have friends. we didn't have friends in the church, we were the youth pastors and were there for so long that everybody that was you know that we were friends with were ten years younger than than us and it was it was just difficult because we didn't have that community. So what happened is whenever we faced a difficult season it was it was hard for us to get through it. Because we didn't have people around us that believed in us and that were championing with us and saying, yeah, let's go. Let's go after the things of God together. We've got to have that. It's not a, a thing that we come to. The church is not a thing that we come to. The church is who we are. Are you guys with me? So we're talking this morning about the compass of community. So what happens? All right. First of all, with this compass, the compass of community, number one, what does it do? Well, first of all, it adds clarity and stability. Look at your neighbor and say, clarity and stability. Listen, being well-connected with the community of believers gives us a consistent sense of direction. It's just like that, that compass. Hey, 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 where are we going? Where are we going? We can look at it together. We can figure it out. It's not so mysterious. Man, everything's mysterious when you don't have... A view of someone else, right? You're so subjective. You're just, yeah, my world's this big. No, no, no. You need the body of Christ to come alongside of you and say, hey, do you, do you think that the compass is broken or are, 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 are we doing pretty good? Are you with me? Hebrews 10, 23, again, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. So listen, if we're going to hold tight, and again, it's the let us, then we've got to hold on tight to one another and we've got to hold on to the hope that we have. Uh, again, Scripture was written for us to experience together. And when moving into what God has called us to do, we need that support. We need that clarity, right? It's just like if you were going to go backpacking or whatever and there was a mountain, Right? And you were trying to climb that mountain and it was a little bit higher than you could scale alone. There might be someone over there to kind of help you get up a little bit further. Or if they were able to scale scale that cliff, then they could reach their hand down and pick you up and bring you up. But how many know that we have a whole community of people that they could just crowd around you and push you up the side of that cliff? That you can live life with them, that they could help you through the struggles. Whenever you're walking through a bridge that's that's real narrow, you have people that can come along and stand beside you and hold you up and do all the things. To help you along the way. Check this out. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls. The other can reach out and help them. But But someone who falls alone. Is in real trouble. Someone who falls alone, is, it's like those old commercials they used to have. I've fallen and I can't get up, right? It's like, oh, I can't get up. Why? Because you don't have anybody to pick you up. Well, I got Jesus. Well, how many know that Jesus wants to use somebody else to partner with somebody else to accomplish his plan on the earth? So how about you just have some people that are, that are with you that, that you don't even have to call out. They see you when, they, when you fall and they pick you up. How, how is that going to happen if it's just you, just you and Jesus? Whenever God's provided this thing called community, he's like, I am helping you up, but you won't get around those people. Oh, Lord, I just want it to be you. And he's like, I just want you to trust me and trust that I have built a kingdom of people. And it's not just about you, but it's also about what you can bring to the table. Right? And so what we do is we're like, well, I don't really, I don't really feel like I need anybody else. Well, can I tell you that people need you? And you do need someone else to humble you, by the way. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have some people in my life, <coughs> Leslie, uh, they, they're good at humbling me. <sighs> but others, but others. People that'll people that'll question you. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna talk about that a little bit more. So number one, uh, the, the community the compass of community helps to clarify and, and stabilize us. Number two the community, and I, I know I'm preaching to the crowd today. Y'all are here in July. <laughs> I'm kind of preaching preaching to you, uh, the choir. And so here we go. Number two, a compass provides motivation for us, uh, the compass of community. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 from the text here, it says, let us, again, not talking about salad. Thank you. Good. Yes. It worked. It worked. Okay. May we spur one another on. That word spur in some translations say this, motivate. The Greek word is provoke. That's the word I like. So may we provoke one another. Right? It's like pushing somebody into the pool. Right? That's provoking, right? Let us spur one another on. Why does he use the word spur? It's like, it's like a man riding a horse that won't move. What do you have to do? spur the horse, motivate the horse, get the horse moving. You need a person in your life to root for you, to cheer for you, to celebrate your wins, come on, to cry with you through your losses. You need those people. You also need those people in your life that'll kick your butt in gear when you need to get moving. And I need those people in my life and you need those people in your life that when you're stagnant or when you're doing something stupid, they're going to come up and be like, Yeah. Get in line, bro. You need to quit doing that. And we don't get offended by it. Because that's what happens is we're like, because we're so full of pride, Josh Brown included, we're so full of pride that when a brother or sister comes to us and questions something, we get offended or we get defensive because we don't know that they got best, that have what's best for us. The reason why we feel like that is because we're not in community. And so God has provided this great thing called the church for you to come and experience life from, and to get your butt kicked every once in a while and straighten you out. But you're too prideful, and so you, what, what you do is, is someone comes to, and we don't have anybody in here today, but <laughs> you, you go, to, people go to church for years, and the pastor actually calls them on something, or somebody in the church says, "Hey, man, you need it. You need to chill out. With that, you need to quit putting that kind of stuff on Facebook." And they're like, oh, "I'm not gonna go there. There's some judgmental people." Rather than going, maybe I do. Well, the only way you're going to break down those barriers and those attitudes is living in community with people. Because then then you know a little bit better. Now, none of us really know one another's intentions 100%. We just don't. I don't. Leslie and I talk about this all the time. Sometimes when we're having struggles, she's like, well, that wasn't my intention. And then we're like, well, I don't care what your intention, right? And so what happens is is sometimes we don't even know, like even the person we're married to, we don't know their intentions. But you're going to know their intentions more Right How many of you have ever known somebody that misunderstood someone else, and you're like, "Oh man, that's not the way they are." Right?, well, how do you know the way they are? Because you live in community with them. So you know, we, we try to hold people accountable sometimes. We need to hold one another accountable, Amen. In the body of Christ, we are called. Scripture, you know, people talk about all this talk about judging people and all this kind of stuff. How many of you know that if you claim to be a Christian, Scripture actually calls you to judge those that are other believers. It actually calls us to call each other with sound judgment towards one another. That we're like, "Hey, bro, you know, what's going on here?" And it, now, now, if that's our only mode. Right? Because you guys have met the super spiritual guy that's like ho- trying to hold you accountable all the time and you're like, dude, I don't even want to be around you because like you're just like pointing, 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 pointing. Well, let me point something in your life, bro. Right? <laughs> and so, but accountability, listen, outside of community just doesn't work. Now, I did youth ministry for a long time and anytime I ever try to hold somebody accountable that wasn't in a relationship with me, it always ended in rebellion. Always. They always ended up spiting and leaving the church, and nah, I don't like you, and, you're, and that wasn't my intention at all. But because we didn't have that community established, because we didn't have that relationship, it just didn't work. So we expect people to understand our intentions uh, so many times, but the only way they're going to un- understand your intentions better is if you're doing community, if you're living life with them. Uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens another. Right, we sharpen one another. How many know that there is friction involved in that process? You don't sharpen iron. You don't sharpen a sword with cotton balls. What are you doing over there? I'm sharpening, I'm polishing my sword. Well, that doesn't make it any sharper. It might make it look a little bit prettier and feel a little better about it itself, but it doesn't make it any sharper. There's got to be a friction to make one another sharper. Come on. And so we, get, we, we make each other better. And listen, and, and I tell you this as a pastor here, this is a two-way street because there's been so many people in leadership over the years, and they're just like, well, let me, my job is to sharpen you. It's not your job to sharpen me. That's garbage. That's not community. And, and sharpening and honoring might look a little bit different in different contexts. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about today. But we are all, we are all in a process. We are all in the journey. We are all getting better. Come on, we're not there yet. We haven't arrived, but we're on the way. And we're going to help one another. We're going to sharpen one another. And it's uncomfortable, but necessary. So we've got to learn to embrace the sharpening, which is hard, especially for us guys, right? Come on, because we're like, don't be telling me, bro, right? Huh? I'm already sharp, (laughs) except for in that area. So, I just warn you against pride, you know. Um what I found is the older I get, which isn't very old, is uh <laughs> the older I get, I, I found that it's a little bit easier um to allow this thing in your life. Cuz when you're young, you know, if if you want to know everything you ever wanted to know, just ask an 18-year-old, right? <laughs> right? I mean, they've got all the answers. It's just usually the way it is. Uh It's funny, it starts at an early age. Judah just turned eight. He's got like all the answers. I I wish I was eight years old. (laughs) Right? Sometimes I wish I could go back to my eight-year-old self and ask myself some questions that I don't have the answer to. All right. Actually, no. Okay. So number three, the third thing about the Compass of Community is it must be a priority. It must be a priority. The only way for it to happen is really for you to make it happen. Community doesn't just happen because you sit at home on Facebook. How many know that's not community? Oh, the Facebook community. The, the, How many know that you read stuff and you read bad intentions all the time? Something that, it. for me, I'm getting so frustrated now that I get on social media. It's like, used to, it was like, awesome, like, oh, yeah, yeah. And lately, it's just been like, oh, crud. Like, oh, another debate? Oh, somebody else is like, oh, gosh, man. Can't even post anything without somebody assuming that I mean something else? right? We're talking about real community. We're not talking about being friends on Facebook. That's great. It's a great way to communicate. It's a great way to kind of stay in touch. But that's all it is. It's just a touch. And uh, those things are great. Glad that we live in a world that's easy to communicate. But the thing is, is, is we don't get in community by adding somebody on Facebook. Right? Come on. Huh? That's right. Or, you know, texting or whatever. Those things are great, but the face-to-face, the the sharing a meal together, the the laughing late at 1130 at night, right? Those are the kind of things that build community. Watching uh, Ed Bassmaster videos at 1030 at night, those are the things that build community. So of you are like, I don't even know what that is. Okay. Uh, you will. You just hang around long enough, and you'll know. You'll know. It's just... Hey, hey you know, Jonathan, you know, they'll show you right after service. <laughs> okay, so uh, must be a priority. Uh, Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together. Other words, show up. That, how many know that that's not just talking about like a Sunday morning experience? Is that included? Sure. And then this is what he says, as some are in the habit of doing. So people being unfaithful to community is not a new problem. Right, It's an old problem. And so he said, don't, 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 don't give up meeting. I mean, you you need to show up because some people are in the habit of doing doing that. But you don't do that. You be faithful. Faithful, show up to one another. Hang out with one another. Listen, if you don't use community, you can't benefit from it. Come on. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves. Love this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. You want to know one of the greatest differences between the modern church and the church in the book of Acts? You want to know one of the greatest differences? Is that we all have an opinion. And our opinion is more important than our love for one another. These guys sold everything they had and lived together. I'm not suggesting we do that. Commune. Commune. I'm not suggesting we do that. But we see this, Acts 2, where it all started, where the church started. It says they were all together in one accord. They were together. They were on the same page. It said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to their teaching. They broke bread together and they prayed together. We do this when we have, right now we're taking a break from community group. But when we have community group this fall, we're launching a second one. So we have two community groups in the fall kicking up. Just an opportunity for people to get together because our schedules are so crazy. So sometimes we have to schedule it. And so they they committed themselves to getting together with one another, eating, hanging out, to teaching, right, which we do that. And then they broke bread together, and they prayed. So that's what we do when we started the church. That's kind of the model we started. Break bread together, just pray. Why? Build community. And then this is what it says. And there were miracles that broke out. So they saw miracles. Could it be, could it be that the reason why they were experiencing miracles is because they're experiencing what true community is. Could that have something to do with it? I think it does. I don't think that's the only element because I think the praying and the teaching, come on, the eating, all of those things. Those things are crucial. How I many you know the eating is spiritual? When you get together with brothers. Listen, I'm not talking about what you boys at work and, you know, they're all talking about, you know, whatever in the world is going on or, you know, how hot that chick is, that new chick that's working the reception. No, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about when you get together with one another and you eat a meal together, there's something spiritual that's happening as you spend time with one another. Leslie I love that. We love to get together with people. So take somebody out to lunch today and go have some community. Go experience some koinia, which is the word right there. That, mean, that, that means the, the blending together. That means the exchange, the, the coming together and hanging out, loving on one another. Right? Letting somebody get up in your business and you getting up in theirs. Hearing their story and you sharing yours. is spiritual. This is what the disciples did. When we do that, we're being spiritual. We're following the Bible. Just by eating a meal together with somebody. It can be that simple. Oh, man, let's just get together and pray and seek the Lord. Yes! But let's also just get together and hang out. Come on. We're just talking about football. I don't feel edified. Maybe you're too super spiritual. I'm just saying that you're talking about sinful things. And listen, if our conversation doesn't come back around to the kingdom, then something's wrong. You know, you have this movement of people. Everybody's like leaving the church. They're writing all these books, you know. We can't get anybody under thirty in church. I'm like, that's all we can get at our church, (laughs) and I love you. And I'm—that's what we pray for when we start church. We're like young families, young adults. That's what we're going after, and. Young adults is mostly what we got. And we're nailing it, and everybody's like, we can't, we can't get any, can't get anybody to to show up. Everybody's leaving the church. I'm like, that's, we're not having that problem. <laughs> like I, I, I'm trying to get some more like 50 year olds that have some money that can like help us like have a building, a, a different building, so we can grow. Yeah, that's like what I'm like. I'm like How do we reach those people? <laughs> right. You guys know what I'm saying? Not that you guys aren't doing that, but I mean, you're where you're at in your life, and and uh, I'm sorry. Okay. You don't say, Mitty. Come on, come on. We need we need that wisdom, baby. Uh, so, but we we love what we get to do. We love who we attract, and we we love who shows up. We we love it. We wouldn't trade it for anything. But I'm seeing all these books while they love why they love Jesus, but hate the church. How many know that that is like the biggest oxymoron statement in the world. You can't you can't love Jesus and hate the church. This is not First John. How can you say that you hate your brother and love the Lord? Like you can't do that. That's impossible. Listen, how many, Listen. if you're a believer, you cannot leave the church. You can leave this church. You can leave church down the street. Some of y'all left church down the street and come to this church. That's okay. And some people will leave here and go other places. You can leave a church, but you can't leave the church. If you leave the church, you're leaving Jesus. You can't, can't separate the man from his bride. Listen, the church is what Christians are, not where they attend. It's what we are. We are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We call it church. We can call it whatever. We can call it power hour. We can call it, which we won't ever call it that. I promise you. We can call it a Sunday morning encounter. <laughs> a rebrand. <laughs> Come to the power hour. Get your game on. Yeah. Some DJs. Yeah, come on. All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. The church is what Christians are, not where we in. We are the church. Are you with me? We go to church. We go to overflow church, the organization church. It's great. But we are the church. So... And we we pre, I preach a message on this. You can go. You can resource in the podcast talking about people bashing the church and a message called "Together," which which just kind of goes along with that theme. You know, all these people like, well, the church this and the church that. They are the church, and they're saying all this. I'm like, do you realize you're talking bad about yourself, right? Well, oh, the church just needs to straighten up. So you, you you're saying you need to straighten up, right? Yeah, right. So listen, can I tell you today? That more than ever before, right now, it is very important for us to own up for who we are as the church. That we don't bash away, be bashful about it. We don't try to call Christianity something else. We need to call it something. We'll just call each other Christ followers. It doesn't matter what you call it. We need to own it. We, we, we don't need to call it something else and rebrand it and repackage it. We just need to be who we're supposed to be. We just need to emerge in this hour and say, this is who we are. This is what we believe. If you don't like it, Sorry. How I many you know that people hated Jesus? Everybody's like, everybody just loved Jesus. Everybody, everybody that 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 hates the church loves Jesus, kind of in the world, right? They're like, oh yeah, well Jesus said this, and and it's like, did you understand that like everybody really hated Jesus? Like there were some people that really loved Jesus. In fact, we can only find about a dozen of them that followed him real close. I mean, if he was like as, as the world has this view of Jesus, as they think that that they don't people that don't know Jesus that think they know Jesus. So they're saying, this is the way Jesus is. Oh, Jesus said this. It's like, do you know what else he said? You want to know what else he said? I don't think you want to know. I think you only want to know that part. There's a whole lot of other things he said. And it's not just Matthew through John. He said a whole lot of things in, in Revelation that you might need to read. And a whole lot of things in the Old Testament. Jesus is the canon. He, he said all of it, by the way. Right? He's still saying it, and so okay. Let me get back. All right. So what we do is we kind of bash the church. And we're like, oh, we just need to love the world. We just didn't love the world. We didn't love the world, and we hate one another. Listen, Jesus said, "They will know you by your love for one another." The world's not going to know us because our humanitarian effort, because people are doing humanitarian effort without Jesus, aren't they? It didn't say that, that the world will know us because we feed the homeless. We should feed the homeless. Absolutely, Jesus told us to do that. He didn't say the world would love us because of our love for the world. That is not what he said. Should we love the world? Absolutely. Does the church have a bad rap? Yes. Do we need to fix that? Yes. But he didn't ever said that. He said they, they will know you by your love for one another. Do you love one another? Check this out. 1 Peter chapter 1. You must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. That we love one another deeply. That we're affectionate with one another. That we're passionate for one another. That we're for one another. We love one another. Can I tell you, as this day is getting darker, the age that we live in, don't abandon the church. Don't move on on your own way and try to disassociate yourself. Uh Uh-uh, that ain't going to work. God has one plan on the earth, and it's the church. I'm not saying it's overflow church. I'm not saying it's gateway church, another church. It's the global church, the church of Jesus, the redeemed. God has one plan for the earth, and it involves the church. Number four, we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in just a second. Number four, it inspires courage, in courage. Right? Encourage. What does encourage mean? It means it gives you courage. Hebrews ten twenty five. 25. Right after he says that, do not forsake the assemblies of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And more as you see the day approaching. Can I tell you today that the, the, the church will not be your biggest form of frustration at the end of the day, The church will be your greatest source of encouragement. Can I tell you that some of the decisions and the things that are going on in America right now are the best thing that could happen to the church? Because it's separating the chaff from the wheat, the sheep from the goats. It really is. It's a separation time. A lot of people are abandoning the church. You know what that means? They weren't really with us. And listen, I'm not just saying this. Jesus talks about this. He talks about the great apostasy, Talks about at the end of the age that knowledge will increase. We have more knowledge. You, you can find out any information about anything you want to know within two seconds by just go, holding up your phone and go, Hey Siri, what is the square root of 842,652? Boom. Within moments. The increase of knowledge, this is one of the signs of the end times. Immorality. We're not, when we're talking about immorality, we're not just talking about Supreme Court rulings, we're talking about internet pornography. We're talking about the, the, the sex slave industry. Come on, there's a lot bigger things than what we're dealing with here in America that's on your Facebook feed every day, which is getting annoying. Come on, there, there's, a lot. there's all kinds of immorality. Heaven forbid if we just focus on one of them. I'm not really worried about the morality of unbelievers. I'm worried about the morality of believers. That's what I'm worried about. Sinners do one thing really good. They sin. Sinners, sin. It's Christian sin. We shouldn't be good at it, but we do. Right? So we encourage one another. Spare notes. Why are you kicking me? Because you just going to stop doing that. Our endurance at the end of the age will be dependent upon our ability to live well connected to the community of faith. Let me say that again. Write that down. Our endurance at the end of the age will be dependent upon our ability to live well connected to the community of faith. You're going to need community. Listen, as the days get darker, everybody's going to hate you because you go to church. I'm telling you right now, it's already like that. There's a guy, I just found out this week that there's a guy that's suing a Bible company, I want to say it was for $70 million. Two, two different Bible companies because they're anti-gay. How many of that God is for the homosexual, but not for homosexuality? I said it. I said, God is, for the, God is for the drug addict. God is, God is for the guy that's buying the sex, trade, sex slave trade person. He's for that man that's filled with lust. He's for that man that would put his money there. And he's also for that woman. But what he hates is the sin that is separating them from the Father's love it is keeping them from their destiny that's what he hates he hates the sin so when we say god loves the sin loves the sinner but hates the sin we mean it we mean it in the sense the reason why he hates sin is because he loves the one that's committing it whether it's my sin or somebody else's but when are we going to abandon our own desires and say, Jesus, I just want what you want. And I'm going to struggle along the way. And I'm going to have desires that I shouldn't have. But I'm going to live in submission to Jesus, whatever those desires are. So listen, there is an attack on the body of Christ as being labeled as bigots, intolerant, and loving. And I hope that those things don't feel that way when, when I'm saying them today. We love people. We love all people. All people are welcome to come and join the journey with us and follow Christ. We want everybody to follow Jesus. But there is a standard. And we all fall short of it. Josh Brown falls short of it. But I'm telling you, I'm on the journey to be more like Jesus. And every day I'm looking a little bit more like him. I don't look like him yet, but thank God that I have a brother that can come and say, man, that didn't look like Jesus. And we're not going to be known for what we're against. We're going to know for what we're for. And we are for people. So we're being labeled bigots, intolerant, and unloving, which seems a little bit bigoted and intolerant and unloving, but make those labels. And listen, those times, those claims may be true. But can I tell you today, I think that those are inaccurate of the body of Christ. I think there's a few people that are that way, that are real bigots in the body of Christ. I think there's a, there's a very small percentage. But most most people that I've met in my 20 years in the Lord, most people that I've met, they're loving. They're compassionate. They're tender. Most of the people that I've met are like the people in this room. They love people, and that's what's best. Let's quit holding the world to standards that God's holding us to. Let's just love them, and when they're ready to follow Jesus, then we can talk about his standard. Okay? Let's, let's do it that way. Let's quit picking on the sins of society. Man, I, I, love, I love the church. Because it's his church. All right, I need to get through this. Listen, God's standard of the gospel is offensive. It is offensive to tell somebody, what you're, you're, the lifestyle you're living is wrong, you need to follow God, or you're going to go to hell. I mean, that, that really, that's what the gospel is, right? I mean, that, that's really what we believe as Christians, that's classical Christianity, that Jesus is the way to heaven. No other way is just Jesus. He's the only way. Without him, you die, you go to hell. That's what we believe the community of faith is what christians believe right that's offensive you're doing life your own it's not good enough for god that's offensive it offended me when i was 18 i was like i'm a pretty good person but when you compare me to jesus no good thing that i can be as righteous as jesus because of jesus by following him awesome Scripture goes on and on about you are aliens and strangers. You're strange. You're weird. You're different. Okay. Listen, our number one goal as a body of Christ is not to be loved by the world. To love the world, but not to be loved by them. Keep in mind, Jesus was crucified. The lines are being drawn, and there's a great apostasy coming. We're about to see a separation of a lot of people, the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares. Jesus spoke of it. And in a real way, this tension is good. Check this out, John 15. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me first. Before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Matthew 10:22. you will be hated. Galatians 1:10. I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I know this is hard. You say, what does this have to do with community? Everything. Listen, we are not a a post-Christian society. We're a pre-revival society. Let me say it again. We're not a post-Christian society. We're pre-revival. There's a revival coming. So Jesus promises all this stuff that's bad. It's going to get dark. It's going to get hairy. It's going to be, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? He's like. But it'll be the biggest revival that the earth has ever known. But it's going to take that process. So can I tell you today, don't bail on the body of Christ. Because this is where our encouragement is going to come from. We're going to need one another. Churches, maybe even our church, possibly. I don't know if this is sobering, and I don't like to tell myself this. Possibly even our church will get smaller than it is now. Possibly. I think it'll get bigger before it gets smaller. But there will come a time that there will be a great, mm. I mean, they're going to come in, I, I, I said it a few weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, I said within 40 years I, I made that statement. I think it's probably like within the next 10 years. Like it's probably going to be illegal to some capacity what we're doing today. So what we are going to do when they take away our buildings, take away our sound systems, take away our apps and websites? You know what we're going to have? We're going to have Jesus, but we're going to have one another. So it doesn't matter what they do. doesn't matter what the world does to our systems. Listen, the, the, we, we think this is persecution in America. Persecution is coming. We haven't faced it yet. It's coming, but we haven't faced it yet. But there are places in the world that have faced it far worse than what we're experiencing right now. The difference is, is America is so influential in the world. America is so influential in the world. The church has been, up to this point, so influential on America. We're losing some of that. Let's just be honest. We're losing our influence. But we're losing it, and then we're going to regain some influence. It's going to be through revival. And we're going to be connected with one another. Are you guys all right? All right. That took a total different direction than I planned on it. But here we are. So this is what we want to do. For some of us, communities hard. We have trust issues. We've been hurt. We've been wounded by the church, right? I have, you have. I said this a while back that the only difference between those that have been, like if I, if I did a, a show of hands, I said, okay, who's been hurt by the church? We'd probably all raise our hand. The difference is, is you still believe in the church enough to be part of it. We've all been hurt by the church. We've all been hurt by one another. But it's just community. It sharpens us. We get better, right? And we're not going to do everything. We're not going to do, until, until, until it, it, God wraps this whole thing up, we're not, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to be being perfected. And this is what he's doing. Jesus is preparing his bride. And the thing is, tension does that. Are you guys okay? I know this is like taking a real like, Kind of prophetic slant. That's not where I wanted to go. So because some of us have forgiveness issues, some of us have trust issues, some of us need healing, this is what it says, James five seventeen. Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Can I tell you today that there is a healing that happens when we're open with one another? When we can look at our brother in the eye and just to be like, dude, I looked at pornography this week or whatever it is. There's a healing that happens, not just the accountability, but in the relationship that says, I really blew it. And I need to get, I need your accountability. What happens is the healing starts happening in our heart the moment we release those things. This is what your homework is this week. (laughs) We don't give homework usually. But this is your homework. Find someone this week and confess your sins to them. Not a priest. And Jesus got, a, got rid of all of that. Just a brother or a sister in the Lord to just say, listen, I'm really struggling with this. Maybe, it might be a sin that was committed against you, but you need some healing. You need some healing? Lay the sin on the table. <laughs> Lay the issues on the table. Lay the brokenness on the table. Just be real. Just be real.